Tuesdays in March, we have been airing the North Dakota Teacher Retention Crisis Series in partnership with North Dakota United. NDU surveyed teachers earlier this year and found that more than 70% thought that keeping teachers in the state would be a major issue in the coming school years. Kirsten Baszler is the superintendent of the Department of Public Instruction, and she says the results of the educator retention survey were heartbreaking. And she says she's serious about having intentional conversations to solve the problem. Superintendent Baszler breaks down the challenges in retaining educators and tells us what's being done to address the issue in this conversation with North Dakota United Public Affairs Director Tom Gerhardt. Superintendent Baszler, you've seen the survey results on the educator retention survey done by North Dakota United. I was curious to get your initial reaction when you saw the results. So first, I, I want to thank ND United for taking the time and, and expending the resources to, to find that information. Um, we hear, hear a lot of national reports out. We hear a lot anecdotally about how teachers are feeling and, and what type of um, crisis we might be facing in this nation and the state. And to have that hard data of North Dakota teachers and North Dakota experiences is very valuable. And as I expected, it, it has resulted in a lot of conversation, an important conversation, not about a theory or not about a worry, but actual information that is, I hope, leading us to a a conversation, concentrated, intentional conversation about what is the existing problem and what can we do to help and fix that. As much as I had heard the anecdotes and as much as maybe I was seeing it with individual conversations and feeling it with my own friends and neighbors and family members that are in the education, to see those numbers in the survey results was was number one, surprising, and number two, very heartbreaking for me. And then after I got through those initial emotions, it was certainly very compelling and motivating for me to be, you know, very intentional, as I said, and, and serious about this conversation of solving the problem. I know you talk with a lot of educators around the state and elected officials for that matter. What are some of the personal stories and anecdotes you have been hearing, you and your staff? And we hear it almost daily now. As a state education agency, we're tasked with the regulatory issues of reporting and the expectations that are delivered to us from our state legislature and in the Congress. That's what our agency is tasked with doing is implementing the laws, both the state and federal laws that our our lawmakers expect from our public schools. But more than that, the North Dakota Department of Public Instruction is an agency that has really transformed over the last decade into an agency that wants to be innovative and supportive and the transformative agency and a support system for our local education agencies, our local school districts. And as we're moving forward with those conversations, we have those daily with our our teachers. And every time we have those conversations in the last six to eight weeks, we hear a very similar phrase. We know how important that initiative is. We know how important that is to our students' academic growth and or mental health and well-being, but we're just so tired right now. And we're hearing that from teachers themselves. We're hearing it really clearly from our building principals, both elementary, middle, and secondary principals or in those buildings every day with those teachers. For us in North Dakota that we need to remember is we were one of those states, we were the state that came back in person learning before any other. And so we've been really 
you know, for lack of a better term, flogging our way through a lot of difficulties and challenges. And our, our teachers are on the front line making those efforts every day to get through the next challenge of this pandemic and COVID-19 on all levels and uh, teaching and learning and their own mental health with, you know, from their own mental health as teachers or building principals, seeing what they see in their children and their mental health, and then their own children at home. So not only their students, but their own children. And so really some personal stories about efforts to be innovative and creative and just really lacking the energy and the, the, the human capacity to do that. What are some of the things more specifically that you're hearing that are draining that energy. We know COVID has been very difficult. We're in our third year now. From what we're hearing, it also extends beyond that. Teachers getting pulled in, pull into some very divisive issues. So COVID-19, I mean, COVID, the pandemic of, of all other things that are just challenging, worried about extended family members or family members that are, are elderly or might have some underlying conditions. But even beyond the the physical and safety concerns that teachers have, now they're, they've been pulled into in a more dramatic way, the controversy over vaccinations or no vaccinations vaccinations, masking or no masking. And essentially teachers go into that profession and teachers, by teachers, I mean building principals and instructional coaches and everybody that's an educator in that school building. I think that's adding some additional stress is, is the political issues of that has been caused by COVID-19 and all of the related mitigation strategies and issues that are entailed with that. But in addition to that, they understand and know that their children's lives have been disrupted, even though we have been in person as I mentioned, we've been in person longer than most states have had their in-person instruction. People, people's lives have been disrupted, whether it be because their parents have, you know, had altered work schedules or working from home, or they haven't been able to see extended family because of, you know, vulnerable issues, or they haven't been traveling, or they, they haven't been doing the normal things. So they're worried about their own and their students' mental health and well-being. In addition to that lost learning time. Teachers know that they have ground to make up. They know they can do it and they know their students can do it, but it's a bigger hill than they've ever faced in their career. In many senses, a teacher's personal time has been splintered in many directions as well. Exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, there, there was a moment when the pandemic first began where we were all in this together and you'd see the hearts in the windows. And I'm not sure that our teachers are really feeling that type of support as they did in the first months of the pandemic. Let's back up a little bit because I know that a lot of work's been going on, DPI, other places, to make sure we recruit and retain quality ed educators. Can you tell me about some of the things that you have been working on and maybe some of the things that you hope to work on moving forward? As we talk about this, I think a couple key points in any conversation about teacher retention and recruitment kind of bubble down to a, a few important elements. Obviously, we need to compensate our teachers well. Number two, we need to provide our teachers, educators with the support that they need in order to be successful. Professional development support, the opportunity of time to be together, to, to be innovative in their thinking and to practice things with each other before they practice them in their classrooms. And then I think the third bucket, uh, the third pillar is to really 
honor and respect them as professionals and, and know that what they do, recognize what they do is important. And so at the department and at the state level, I think those are the areas that we are really focusing on. First and foremost, the investment of our state legislature in K-12 education has increased every year. Historically, K-12 has been a priority in our legislators' budget conversations. We have over $2 billion of biennium invested that it goes to our local school districts for use in their local budgets and policy. The other the other things that are important is is understanding that there is a workforce shortage in the entire nation right now. And so the great resignation is occurring. So how do we encourage people that have a a lot of options for workforce? How can we get them? If they say, hey, I'm interested in teaching, whether they be an 18-year-old or a mid-career 30-year-old, how can we make that process of getting the required education that is necessary as, as seamless and as painless as possible? So we've had to do a couple different things. There's some, we've developed some alternative licensure pathways for people that have a bachelor's degree and have decided to be a mid-career professional. Um, we still need to maintain the high quality because we don't want substandard teachers in front of our children and, and, and young people. But there are quality people out there that have said, I want to be a teacher. So we don't want them going, you know, saying, well, you need to quit your job in you know, small town, North Dakota and move your elementary, your own elementary and, and teenage kids to Valley City or Minot or Grand Forks to get this teaching degree, like pretending that you're 18 years old. So we've developed those alternative uh, pathways to provide evidence that they can be great teachers. We've also identified that there are some, te there are some people in our schools right now that are paraprofessionals. Maybe they own, maybe they have an associate's degree or maybe they only have 40 hours of college credit. They are there in our small communities they don't want to leave our schools. We need paraprofessionals and we need substitute teachers as well. We've developed programs uh, with our teacher preparation saying, we will help you get your teaching degree as you are a paraprofessional in those school communities. We also are investigating a new program that Tennessee has just rolled out. They are the first state in the nation to get approved by the U.S. Department of Labor to have a teacher pathway as an apprenticeship. So those young people and mid-career people that are actually teaching in our schools can get paid for teaching as an apprentice while they're earning their degree. So the community experts pathway, the alternative licensure pathway, we've created a grow your own. We recognize that we have all sorts of career pathways for our high school students, for IT jobs, for RNs. And then we recognize, wait a minute, we're not even like creating a pathway for our teachers. So we've developed that over the last several years. So those are some important things. And those those deal with and address the issues of recruitment. But the other issue that we talked about is the retention and honoring and really recognizing. When I first came into office, I realized that at best, we maybe had 12 nominees for the North Dakota Teacher of the Year, which is a program that was established to really exalt the profession of teaching. And so over the last four or five years, we've increased that. And not only so we've gone from just recognizing four finalists to expanding it to a county teacher of the year. So we recognized 53 county teachers of the year down to four finalists. And then finally, the North Dakota teacher of the year. Really happy to report that there are over 360 nominations that have been submitted for this year's North Dakota Teacher of the Year and within the counties. 48 counties are currently represented. And so we know that families and students 
and peers out there know that we have great teachers. We have to do more of that. I encourage our local school district to identify those school building teachers of the year as well and do that at a local level as well. I was going to say, what could parents or what could the public do? Simply sending a note of appreciation, something along that line, maybe a starting point to say we respect and appreciate the job that you do? I think that's a good start. I, I think sending a note, remembering your teachers, uh, you know, a friendly email or, you know, a follow-up note when there is homework assignments from a parent to a, a, a teacher. But I think what we're saying in all of that is something bigger than just sending a note or recognizing a teacher during Teacher Appreciation Week or on Valentine's Day or at the holidays. The day-to-day messaging and culture of that bridge between school and home, that this is a partnership together, that teachers feel supported, not just at holidays or special events, but on a daily basis, that they know that family members are their partners in the work of helping their child, that student, being the best person they can possibly be. And really, it starts with respecting and honoring teachers in everybody's homes. We all have a responsibility to exalt. I can do, I can run all sorts of recognition programs and award programs out of the state office. We can all, you know, send messages and I can put social media posts out. That is not as meaningful, will never be as meaningful as that teacher feeling constant and consistent support from their building principals, their peers, and most importantly, the community in which they live and go to church with and shop with. And going to another level, elected officials and administrators, you mentioned the budget for K-12 education, but how those dollars are spent, that's critical. It is. And so North Dakota is a very local control state. uh, And as it should be, we have 174 school districts in the state of North Dakota that are governed by 174 different school boards. Those individuals are locally elected. The legislature sets the budget and our agency sends out $10,236 per student per year to each of those districts with very few strings attached. We just simply say these courses must be offered and these are the teaching criteria for the teachers. It's those locally elected school boards with their school administrators, their their business manager and their superintendent who decide how that funding is spent within their local schools. And so it will take local communities, locally elected school boards and, and school superintendents to prioritize in their budget the funding that comes from the state, federal and local revenue sources and determine how much of that is going to go to those teachers and paraprofessionals that are with our students. At a state level, I know we have the the K-12 Coordination Council, the Education Policy Committee. What do you anticipate some work looking into your crystal ball that'll be done in the coming months as we head into our next legislative session? Sure. Some have suggested that this issue calls for a task force. And, and I do believe that this issue has risen to the level of specific, intentional and laser focused conversation. The good thing is, the good news is, is that where tasks for task force are generally created with a very short time window, generally through an executive order, and sometimes are able to accomplish their task uh, within that very finite amount of time that is allowed for a task force to exist. What is fortunate is the legislature legislature three years ago created something that is longer lasting. It's called the K-12 Coordination Council. And that Coordination Council, um, I am a member of it. The governor is a member of it. Key legislators are a member of it. 
and educational stakeholders are a member of this task force. And importantly, the president of ND United, Nick Archuleta is the current president, is also a member of that task force, having that direct teacher voice. So rather than having a confined time, because this problem did not happen overnight, and it will not be solved overnight. And so this Coordination Council, K-12 Coordination Council, is specifically looking at this issue. And we have been looking at it with all of those stakeholders. We have a meeting set up later this year, later this spring, to have a joint meeting with the Education Interim Education Policy Committee because they too are looking at this very specific issue of how can we solve this problem. So between the, the larger legislative uh, Interim Education Policy Committee and this Coordination Council made up of K-12 stakeholders and the governor and the superintendent of public instruction, we need to be solution-oriented, come together, and as a recommending advisory body and the legislative body, find solutions that we can bring to the 2023 legislative session. That was Kirsten Baszler, the North Dakota Superintendent of Public Instruction, in conversation with Tom Gerhardt of North Dakota United. You can find all of the North Dakota Teacher Retention Crisis series on our website. Next week in the series, we hear from Senator Aaron Oban, who serves on the Senate Education Committee and the Interim Policy Committee.